Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar, and we have with us today Alvaro Ramirez, he is the founder and CEO at eHarvest Hub. Hello and welcome. Thank you for having me, Juliet. It's great to be uh, here with you. Absolutely. I'm I'm really interested in what you guys are up to over at eHarvest Hub. It looks like it has something to do with food, potentially. So why don't you let me let me on the secret? Yeah. So the it's actually pretty a uh, pretty simple concept, but uh, with the tremendous complexity when it comes to the technology, uh, the uh, the essence of what we're doing is making fresh food more affordable and accessible uh, to everyone. And the way we do that is simply by connecting small to mid-sized farmers directly with grocery stores and independent truckers. We remove all the need of middlemen out of the transaction. It costs our food to zigzag seven and ten times before it even gets to the grocery store, which makes prices very expensive uh, for consumers. And leaves farmers and truckers with very little profit. Uh, and that's in a nutshell what we're doing. So I guess, you know, for people who are not involved in the food industry, what sort of hands does our food transfer? Say what's the life of a carrot, right? It gets grown, and then what happens to it? Yeah, so once a, once a farmer harvested and they pack it, uh, it can uh, be sold to multiple layers of middlemen. Uh, and the way that this works is that a grocery store, a buyer from a grocery store will place an order typically with a distributor because normally they're looking for volume. Uh, and a distributor doesn't necessarily always have volume in hand. 
so immediately they start placing calls uh, to their uh, potential vendors who could source the product for them. And, uh, you know, it, it could be that everybody's going back to the same farmers to buy the product, but because somebody got to at first, uh, one broker or distributor or wholesaler ends up getting a piece of that order and they start, you know, buying from each other to fulfill the orders. Uh, and that's where the first, you know, mess uh, of the food chain happens. Uh, then now you have to transport it. So now comes a transportation broker into the mix who will grab that order and um, put it out to a network of truckers for um, to see who gives the, the lowest bid to be able to deliver that product. He'll give it to the lowest bid, yet he made a charge of premium for the transportation. Uh, so it, it's a pretty messy process because it goes through distributors, wholesalers, uh, brokers, uh, and uh, and then and then now you mix the transportation brokers into it. Uh, and there can be multiple transportation brokers as well because everybody's hiring different trucks to move that product. Uh, and the other part of that is that you don't always necessarily know where the product came from uh, because in some of those cases, it's being repacked and rebranded. Uh, under a different name. Uh, so you don't necessarily know that it came from, you know, Farmer A or Farmer B or if somebody else just put a different name to it. Um, and, you know, it sounds messy, but that's exactly how it works. Right? Huh. And it kind of makes our food that. to be expensive. So. No, we definitely don't. You know, I think uh, um, middlemen middle serve their purpose at one point. You know, as cities grew and farms became more distant from our grocery stores and our neighborhoods, uh, it, they became necessary. But you know, it, it was like a necessary evil that no longer uh, serves the purpose. You know, and it probably is harming our food in a way too, because it, it now takes maybe a longer amount of time to get to us. Maybe it's not as fresh, or maybe even has to be picked too soon so that it lasts the whole journey. It take longer for our food to get to us. Maybe farmers have to pick the food before it's fully matured so that it can get to us in a fresh state. So cutting out the middleman is not just helping farmers and truckers, it's helping the consumer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it was something that when I when I started this company and a few years back, you know, I spent a year doing discovery because I'm not a farmer. That's, that, that was not my background. But um, so I spent a year in, in the California Valley talking to farmers, trying to understand what their issues were and... Uh, realizing that exactly what you just said, they end up picking the product earlier. Sometimes there's a lot of uh, um, food waste uh, because they don't necessarily pick everything that they need to pick. Uh, one, because they're, you know, the buyers are not necessarily accessible either. So, you know, having a very a direct contact with retailers uh, makes it easier to minimize the food waste, uh, to make sure that the food we get, it, you know, at the, at the, at the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, that it, it, that it gets picked exactly when it's supposed to versus, like you said, er, earlier than it needs to be because it has to move out so many. But, but yeah, for consumers, it makes it less, less expensive. And one of the interesting things that we found out from talking to retailers was that retailers were willing to pass things on. It wasn't necessarily that they were trying to pocket more money. Bringing consumers into the store, uh, it's very important to them. And food is exactly what it does. That's why... You find all the fresh food and meats at you know at the at the back of the store are the premier uh, because that's what attracts the consumers in. Uh, but you know being able to provide uh, bigger savings uh, for them was a big deal. The going directly to a farmer uh, it, it does exactly that. The other part of it is the transparency that it gives them. 
because now they know exactly where the food is coming from. Uh, you know, and when it comes to food safety and potential contamination uh, of a product that can get people sick or you know even cause death, uh, it's very important that to know exactly where the food came from, something like that. Uh, the other part of it is um, when it comes to food safety is that because you're removing all these layers of middlemen, that means less people are touching food. And contamination, less than 2% of food contamination happens at the farm. So by the fact that we're removing all these layers of people, um, we, we drastically minimize, you know, the, the potential contamination in food. You know, that's really important for us consumers. You know, I have kids and I would never want my kids to get sick from food because it's contaminated uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and so even that, you know, we can, we can help a lot with. Uh, the other part of that, too, uh, Julia, was the, the fact that you can put more money into a farmer's pocket. And the same thing with truckers. You know, they're the hardest working people in the food industry. You know, farmer gets up, you know, at wee hours of the, of the morning to work, and, and truckers are on the road all the time. And, uh, you know, they sort of, sort of, for some reason, just because of how the system works, they, they make less money. Um, and when you're able to put more money into a farmer's pocket, the interesting thing of all of that is that it allows them to become more sustainable farms because they have the money to be able to do that with. expensive to go from a conventional farming to a more sustainable uh, farming style. Uh, and so in the long term, you can definitely help with that. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to, you know, cutting out and the middleman and simplifying the, the food chain. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you think about it, we're not taking care of the very people who are providing us the food. That's, that's what I keep getting hung up on when I hear about these stories. Like, why aren't we just paying the farmers more? You know, why are we not trying to advocate for their rights? They're the ones that are doing the, the brunt load of everything. Right, right. Exactly. And, you know, when I did my discovery, uh, you know, I remember the very first farmer I ever talked to was a small strawberry farmer in California. And um, he uh, had told me that he couldn't sell his, his uh, strawberries because he didn't have a buyer. And it seemed odd to me because when it comes to business, right, you always want to make sure you have a buyer, especially when you know product is coming up. And, but that is just how the industry works. And in his case, one of the, you know, bigger uh, producers came and purchased uh, his strawberries uh, for $8 a box wholesale. And to avoid the loss, he sold it. Still was a loss to him. Uh, but this other, you know, large producer repackaged, rebranded, and sold it for $20 on the wholesale. Wow. All because, he could, because the farmer didn't have volume on his own to be able to sell it directly to a retailer. Because you know, that was my next question. Well, why don't you sell it directly to a Kroger, to a Walmart? And he said, I don't have enough volume on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, and it became apparent to me that if you can aggregate the volume, uh, then you can have a bigger impact. Uh, and then the next question was, well, let's go talk to the retailers and see what they're, you know, why they don't buy from a small farmer. And that's, that was exactly the same thing. Like, we don't have an ability to aggregate volume, and it's very expensive to do that. Um, manually, you know, you go to a farmer and you buy from him this week. Next week, you have to find a different source, and that becomes expensive. You know? So, the so our ability to create a platform that allows farmers to aggregate volume and be able to sell it to more retailers without having to spend time and money on marketing um, was essential for us. You know, then the next piece to that was, you know, I, I the very last farmer I talked to said, Alvaro, let's say you give me a marketplace, I sold it. How do I move this? This is what my middleman normally handles for me. I don't know transportation. Uh, you know, yes, the farmer is seeing the trucker every day picking up product at their farm, but they don't necessarily have that relationship. And uh, so I went and I started talking to truckers, and I realized that truckers were having the same issue as a farmer. They use a transportation broker to gain business, but these were people that were spending fifty to $100,000 on their big rigs 
so that they could own their own business. But because they're on the road all the time, they didn't have the time or money to market themselves. So they go and work with a broker. You know, my, my brother is a is a trucker in the fresh produce space. And um, he was the very first trucker I talked to. And uh, I never forget the story. He told me that one year his broker made as much money as he did. Yet my brother carried all the liability of moving that product. And his truck broke down. It was his job to find another trucker that can, you know, but the broker all wow. he did was make a phone, make a phone call and connect him and the, and the shipper. And so, you know, then that became apparent as well too. Okay. You need to include this trucker in the platform. So it was, it was almost like saying, you know, let me grab a, you know, Amazon Uber model and mix them together, you know, for simplicity uh, to make it work. And then the other part of that was, you know, you're dealing with supply chain and enterprise software, and that's not always, you know, an, an easy task to put together and make it simple. But it had to be technology that's very simple for farmers and truckers, um, you know, mainly because, you know, farmers, uh, employees are not necessarily always tech savvy. So you have to make that software very simple. And the way of looking at it was, you know, it had to look like a mobile app at the end of the day because everybody uses smartphones. And, you know, and I learned that from my discovery, talking to a farmer and their employee and realizing that these guys have smartphones and they were able to navigate it with no problem. They weren't intimidated by it. And so when we released a very first part of the software, which was our traceability that was free, uh, you know, we had some employees from some farms that the first comment they said was, oh, this looks like a map on my phone. You know, yet, yet it was a desktop version. Um, you know, so to us, it was like, okay, mission accomplished. We, 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 we hit, it, hit the nail in, in the head. Uh, with the simplicity of it, you know, but then come the other pieces to to all of this. And uh, when we started looking at blockchain, this was the interesting part to us. Uh, it was because we were looking at our marketplace uh, and how farmers get and truckers get paid. Farmers deliver when they ship product out, they'll invoice, and uh, they invoice because they don't know when the product is going to get there. But to them, is the product is sold. You know, truckers deliver that product and they don't necessarily get paid right away because they got to deal with a broker that says, hey, I'm going to pay you out in 30 days. Yeah, brokers are getting paid immediately. Uh, farmers also end up waiting 27 to 30 days to get paid. And so I, we looked at smart contracts because we thought we could actually speed up that process where a retailer can commit to pay faster because now with blockchain, he has transparency to the beginning of that product and he can tell the quality of the product from the get-go and knows the movement of that product when it's being transported. Um, and so that can allow a retailer to feel more comfortable and pay. You know, it becomes a trustless environment. Right now, they have to trust each other as they do business. And, uh, you know, so we looked at blockchain that can, that can do that transparency. You know, although we're removing all the layers, a lot of the steps that normally get tracked on the supply chain, uh, but blockchain is to give you the true transparency. Uh, and the smart contract was really key for us to allow farmers to get paid. And the other part of that, you know, going beyond is when product is not in season locally, most grocery stores go out, you know, somewhere else, you know, either outside of the country or even further to, to buy that product. And so making cross-border payments uh, is expensive. And, you know, we looked at, okay, now let's take a look at the cryptocurrencies of it. That's when we realized we can actually create our own cryptocurrency to do this. And so people have asked us, you know, why, why not use a Bitcoin or Ether or any of the other cryptocurrencies? And the truth is, you know, going back and thinking about our customers was that we have to keep it simple and everything has to stay within our system because farmers do business with you because they trust. And so we said, OK, creating a cryptocurrency made a lot of sense because we can keep it all within, within the platform. You know, and all of this happens with us having conversations with the customers, with our customers as we're building things. Uh, 
because getting their input is a big deal to make sure that we get ad adoption in our service. Um, you know, so kind of long story there, but it's that's kind of the route we have taken to develop the software to make sure that at the end of the day, it serves the purpose. Absolutely, and with you know 450 million small farmers producing 60 to 70 percent of the food that we eat, I mean that's huge. And just the amount that you could help those people is worth doing this just just alone. And I love that you're standing up for the two people in this process of food production who really are kind of getting the short end of the stick. Yeah, you know, and, and you know when you talk about global um, producers and you know farmers everywhere in the world, their product is being shipped around. And somewhere they're disconnected from this global economy, but yet they're part of it. Uh, but they're disconnected because they're not getting compensated for it. And so to us, it was really neat to be able to you know, go to uh, Nicaragua or go to Colombia and allow these farmers to connect directly with you know, retailers in, in the U.S., you know, potentially connect them with retailers in China or in Europe, you know, and do, be able to do that for farmers anywhere. Uh, beyond that, you know, the really... Uh, you know, interesting thing for us, is, for us is that, you know, one day you could potentially remove the need of banks. Farmers every year have to borrow money from banks at their planning season so they can run their farm. You know, so it will be an amazing thing to allow, to create a, you know, a, a 360 degree circle where a consumer now is a financial supporter of that farmer. And all possible because we work directly with the farmer and we can show a consumer the economics of that farmer. And they could potentially become that lender, you know, somewhere else in the world, helping a farmer produce the food that we're going to eat at the end of the day you know, without, without any middleman uh, to do this. Uh, and that's something that, you know, I, you know, only blockchain technology can give you because you, you truly decentralize everything. Um, so, you know, that's yeah, kind that's of our, our end goal. Uh, absolutely. And, and um, you know, I'm just reading some of these statistics on your website. That just food waste alone, nearly one trillion dollar annually, is is the yeah, how much yeah. food we're losing. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of food that gets lost. You know, there's in uh, there's a saying in California that you know the Salinas Valley can actually produce enough lettuce for the whole world. You know, just one place can do that, uh, but none of that food gets everywhere. Uh, because yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways uh, that happens. You know, even at grocery stores, grocery stores go through what they call it, what they call their shrinkage. And some of the shrinkage and fresh food has to do because, you know, the, the evaporation of water in the product. But that's also because the life shelf of the product, you know, it's been too long since it's been harvested by the time it gets to the front of the store. And uh, so you minimize that. Uh, and that saves a lot of money to, to retailers as well. You know, we had a retailer that said, you know, I don't understand why if I buy a thousand pounds of um, bananas, by the time I'm done selling, I only sold 700, you know, because of wow. like, the shrinkage for them, um, because it, you know, mm -hmm. becomes food waste, they waste of food. And, and, you know, that's what goes through the store. Not, you, we're not even talking about the food that doesn't get harvested because farmers don't harvest a lot of that food because they can't sell it. They have nowhere to sell it. You know, and this is another another piece of it. There's a lot of there are a lot of companies out there that help farmers increase the yield, but the yield is working. You can't sell it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of scenarios of that. We had a we had a, actually a company that was helping a farmer increase the yield, and they say they were able to increase it by 300 percent. And when they went back to the farmer, they were excited to hear that it was 300 percent. And the farmer said, "But it's still sitting on the plant because I can't sell it, so I don't pick it because it'll cost me money. So it's waste. You know, exactly. so we want to be able." You want to be able to solve a lot of those issues, but but you know it all starts. I think at the end of the day, is you you got to solve a very important issue for farmers. And you know, I learned this from a mentor a long time ago that said you you can't 
you can't teach somebody to be a millionaire if he's trying to figure out where his, his next meal is coming from. You have to help him figure that part out first. You know, and that's kind of how we looked at it with farmers. You know, we forget yield for everything else. Let's help you figure out how do we create your profitability and how do we do that without increasing the cost on the consumer side of it. And it always came back to you have to remove the layer of middleman this transaction because that's where all that money, you know, and it's a longer process, but it's the right process to take. We, what's one of the interesting things about us is that, you know, when we set out to look at, you know, doing an ICO to do fundraising, and I love the idea of the ICO because you involve just the average person that at the end of the day, and um, for us, it was um, neat to be able to sit there and say, hey, we had built technology before all of this. We have customers that are already using it, because I built my business model first to make sure that it was a sustainable model, uh, and then we and then we build our technology. Uh, you know, it's not a... You know, our ICO is not based on a napkin idea or on a white paper that says, you know, this is how it would all potentially look like. We already have customers that use what we, uh, you know, this year we expected with over 2,000 farmers, you know, we're looking at our, you know, 1.8 transaction in the next 12 months with those farmers. And uh, we have about 800 truckers in the platform that can move over, you know, 600,000 loads. You know, and the efficiency we can create even on our transportation platform in terms of combining loads and making it cheaper and yet truckers are able to make more money because they're not paying a broker. Uh, and you really, now you really have, you know, farmers and truckers who are really, you know, independent business owners acting like real businesses because they can run their business without anybody interfering. With. Absolutely. And, and I love what you said about, you know, you can't make a millionaire if they're thinking about where their next meal is coming from. Uh, the farmers are not, you know, they're not, they don't need to produce more crops, like you're saying, you know, and a lot of people come at them and say, oh, we're going to produce more and then you'll make more. But that's not the problem. The problem is that you have all these people siphoning off money from them along the way. That's the problem. And you have accurately identified it and are taking huge strides to fixing it, um, which is just so fantastic. Um, how can people learn more about about your token and about how to get involved? And if they are farmers, you know, how do they... How do they get in touch? Yeah, so you know the uh, for for our token. Let me talk a little bit about our tokenomics uh, because uh, you know even even that piece of it for us was more of uh, okay, how do we make it sustainable you know within our platform? And so the first step for us to use our token uh, is you know it's really tied into our revenue. Our farmers and truckers can pay us in tokens for our. Truck. So you know we can invoice them in fiat. So for example, I can invoice a farmer for a thousand dollars of service, and he can also pay me with a thousand tokens. It's always going to be cheaper for him to pay with tokens. You know, so uh, we're always going to give him a discount every time he pays with a token uh, because we want our customers to get used to using tokens. Uh, for truckers, it's an easier thing because they're on the road, and when they're on, you know break, they're always playing uh, games on their apps. And uh, they understand tokens because of that a little better than than a farmer, um, you know. But that was the first thing. The next thing is, you know, a peer-to-peer -peer transaction where farmers and truckers are able to accept tokens as payment, uh, and we can have retailers using our peer-to-peer pay other customer. And we'll do that later on in the year once we create an enough acceptance uh, within our, our customer base of the use of token, and they're just comfortable with it. Uh, the, the the next step to that, you know, and, and it will be the ability for our token holders or, you know, and anybody that can access our token to be able to serve as a lender to, to farmers when it comes to borrowing money. You know. But to get to that point, we have to get through the steps uh, later on, you know, next year. 
but you know, people can go to our website uh, and visit you know at uh, ehhico.com uh, and learn about what we're doing. We have a lot of great videos in there that have our videos, our, our demo videos. Uh, there's a great interview of um, I did with one of our investors, uh, Tim Draper, um, you know, last year when we talked about what we were doing. But you know, they they can look at all those videos in there. Obviously, read read our white paper, or go through the website, you know, which is the summary the summary of our white paper, and learn about what we're doing and how they can participate. Absolutely. Avro, thank you so much for joining us here today and, and letting us know all about this exciting new possibility for farmers and truckers. And hopefully it will keep catching on like wildfire and it will change change the industry because I, I feel like this is something that, that really could be an eye-opener and, and really a power shift for these people. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I like one line, a line that we use a, a lot, you know, uh, internally, and that is, you know, uh, putting the value back where it belongs with our farmers and truckers and the power with consumers, where it should always be. It should never be with the conglomerate. Should be, all power should be in the consumer's hand to know where the food is coming from, what kind of food they should be buying, and what prices they should be paying. Absolutely. Transparency is key. Yep, exactly. So thanks for having us, Julia. I really enjoyed uh, talking with you today. So hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely. It's been a wonderful conversation. That was Alvaro Ramirez. He is the founder and CEO at eHarvest Hub. You can check out their website at ehhico.com. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.